0: Hello everyone and uh, welcome to Randeep's in the House, a uh, podcast hosted by me, your Member of Parliament from Surrey Centre. Uh, today our special guest is Steve Dooley, the Executive Director of SFU Surrey. And on a side note, he taught my wife Quantlin uh, Kwantlen uh, years and years ago and so I've uh, um, uh, known him for a while uh, and uh, he was also the first moderator of my first ever uh, political debate. Uh, right at SFU, uh, which was uh, I think moderated by SFU Surrey and I think uh, um, the Surrey Downtown Business Improvement Association. Uh, yeah. I think the two of you uh, hosted it. So uh, I've had uh, fond memories ever since, and uh, uh, been moving ahead full steam. And uh, had a great relationship with SFU. So it's great to do this podcast with you. You're uh, one of the first people I thought about uh, when I thought let's uh, let's talk about. Uh, uh, Surrey. Let's talk about education and post-secondary uh, uh, education in a COVID environment. So uh, that's why I came to you. Um, you know SFU Surrey's uh, grown so much over the years. It uh, now continues to serve a staggering uh, uh, number of students from across lower mainland. It's expanded considerably throughout the last decade and continues to do so. Uh, it attracts more and more individuals Uh, to take advantage of the -the state-of-the-art facilities, uh, whether that's environmental sciences, megatronics, uh, uh, criminology, business, etc. It seems like uh, more and more people are are going and and, uh, track to SFU Surrey. And it's actually helping what I think everyone and every student should have the right to, which is having uh, top-quality education close to home. So they can make a choice by going elsewhere, but they should be able to have uh, 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 high caliber, uh, accessible uh, education within minutes from their home. And I think S- SFU Surrey uh, attracts uh, the largest uh, uh, d- population center uh, around Lower Mainland. So that's not just Surrey, but people in Burnaby, New Westminster, uh, Surrey, Langley, uh, Coquitlam, Maple Ridge all of them make it a, a, a place uh, that's much more accessible than uh, some of the other locations that the universities are. So um, I get to uh, I- introduce um, the executive Di- director and uh, for SFU Surrey, I think you have two roles. Uh, if my understanding is right, and that's the day-to-day operations of the campus here in Surrey. And uh, what you're probably most passionate about is developing partnerships with businesses, government and uh, various community groups. So uh, Steve, you want to say a few things before we get started on this podcast?
1: Yes, Randy, pr- first of all, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, and I do remember meeting you when I moderated that session. And uh, uh, it was great to meet you. And I'm, I'm so glad that we've gotten closer over the over the years, uh, as you've represented uh, uh, City Centre. I really appreciate your work. Um, I do want to acknowledge that I, I live in White Rock, which is on the unceded territory of Semimu First Nation, and um, good friend Harley Chappell, the, the chief, uh, is doing great work for Semimu. Um, And I just want, yeah, you're right about the two roles, uh, very much so around kind of keep, keeping the lights on and the, the, the classrooms warm and making sure the spaces are there for students and, uh, that, and, and the community partnership piece for sure. The, the roles kind of blend a bit because we like to invite the community on campus. Um, we wanna make sure that the community feels welcome at SFE Surrey and we always have been that way. So the roles kind of can connect in, in that re- regard.
0: Now you've been in this role for over eight years. Uh... Uh, and you've seen SFU kind of from its uh, SFU Surrey uh, from its infancy till now. And uh, uh, can you can you uh, elaborate on how its growth has been and what you how you've seen it grow and and uh, change or morph or adapt to uh, uh, the growth of Surrey itself?
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I think I'd start by saying, you know, I was enjoying a, a really good career at KPU uh, where I, I taught your partner. She was an amazing student, actually. Um, uh, As I was doing, I was quite happy at SF or at KPU, but I was really attracted to SFU's focus on um, its engaged strategy, its aspiration to be Canada's leading engaged university, and I was I was attracted to the Surrey campus itself, literally to the building. Um, it's amazing they 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 ripped a roof off of a mall and built a university on top of it. So that from the very, very beginning, SFU and the community have been really, really connected in, in Central City. And, and I, so I, I think what I, I'd say in terms of the growth from when I started, it's really, um, we're growing up with, with, with Surrey. It's, it's like we, uh, SFU will celebrate 20 years in Surrey next year. Uh, and I've had the privilege of being there for about half of them. And, and from the beginning, um, we, were, we were kind of a catalyst for the reimagination of city center. So after SFU is there, then, then came the new library, then came City Hall, then all kinds of development is happening now. So there's a real re-emergence of City Centre. At the same time, there, there remain some social issues and challenges that SFU wants to be part of in terms of uh, helping support the solution. So as an example, I co-chair the City of Surrey's Poverty Reduction, Poverty Reduction Coalition. Um, we developed a program when I got to SFU called CLIC uh, Community Leaders Igniting Change, and it's a program for ordinary citizens of Surrey. And I, I don't really like using the word ordinary because everybody's got a lot of skill to bring and uh, personal capacity, but it's for people who might not otherwise be connected to the university to come on campus and partake in a leadership course that enables them to uh, kind of develop their passion in whatever project they want to do in their neighborhood. It's, it's been really successful. We have over 100 people who've gone through that program. Uh, very very proud of that work. Uh, At the same time the campus you know we talk about going from an emerging to an established campus Um, I think we are very much established and definitely providing opportunities for students to stay close to home for their education if they so choose but we've also uh, developed developed into into a campus that has an international reputation for amazing programming whether it's mechatronics our new sustainable energy engineering program that's in our new building. So we now have a new building. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have lab space in Surrey Memorial Hospital. We purchased space in City Center Two for other research labs, and I think that's one of the things that I've seen growing quite a bit. Is is while we care so much about the student experience, and we do care about the student experience, we are also a research-intensive university. So recently, as an example, the Quantum Algorithm Institute opened up in Surrey, um, and, you know, there's lots going on around the research side of things, and research brings the researchers, it brings uh, support in terms of the purchase of equipment, in terms of having staff supporting the research. So the research in Surrey has been amazing, and it it in and of itself has been an economic driver uh, for city centre.
0: Since you just talked about research and we just announced um, I think 600 million in science funding and I think Surrey, uh, SFU and quantum polytech I think combined received about 16 million of that. How does um, funding like that help not only students uh, but uh, research in general and how does it kind of have a spillover or benefit to the community at large uh, right here in Surrey or does it have an effect on it?
1: I think it does it has a huge impact um, First of all, by, by getting that funding, it, it enables us to uh, attract top quality research minds to, to SFU and in particular to Surrey. So we're building the, the human capital of, of, of the neighbourhood in a, in a substantive way. And it's attracting students to, to the programs, in uh, graduate programs especially, that they can get connected to some amazing research um, programs that are happening. And that's where I'm talking about our international reputation There are people from all over the world that are now attracted to coming to Surrey uh, because of some of the programs that we've offered to students and the research paradigm as well. So that has been a major, major development and and it's something that we need to be proud of in Surrey. Um, And I think as well, you know, we know that Surrey is growing so fast, we're gonna pass Vancouver population wise in the next 10 to 15 years. And city center is kind of the next major Metro hub uh, for all of the lower mainland and that's that's a huge game changer and that is something that SFU is very much a part of. The benefit for the community is literally economic in terms of you know you're bringing people to campus they're bringing their staff they go out and you know have lunch and stuff at the local mm-hmm. local uh, businesses and, and so forth so they, they connect to the community and, and another big advantage for for the Surrey campus, as I said earlier, our boundaries to the community are so porous, um, we invite community in to, in to be involved in those research programs as well. So my background is in community-based research as a paradigm, and we've done a lot of research with the city of Surrey, for example, on the need to new refugees. Hmm. And we hired and trained uh, 11 recent refugees to work on that project, uh, and, I, and that was about four years ago, and I'm still connected to many of those those individuals kind of supporting them going forward in their own capacity. So
0: And then know, a lot we, of them support others if they they get interactions. Yes, yeah.
1: Absolutely. Mm, yep. And I, I say one of the, the lines I, I like to share about community based research is in many ways the process is the outcome. Yes. How you do the research, how you make those authentic connections with the with the community to develop the research program is a huge part of it.
0: And I've seen also, uh, I mean, uh, um, with, with the health and innovation corridor that that SFU is kind of core and central to in here in Surrey, that a lot of growth has spawned around it. Uh, you know, the LARC buildings across from the hospital uh, to somebody driving by might just see some three or two or three or four office towers. Uh, but when you go in, it's like Palo Alto in there. It's, uh, it's San Francisco. It's state-of-the-art research companies. Um, and I saw the stats uh, in 2015, 2016. 2016, 2017 of how many American companies actually moved in uh, and, and many of those are American researchers so the brain drain the opposite coming back to British Columbia, back to Canada. Uh, and they're do- working on amazing research from, you know, uh, how do you prep uh, uh surgery uh, using uh, virtual reality uh, to brain stem uh, and and, and uh, stem cell research uh, not stem cell um, spinal cord research in yes. there for especially for infants so amazing amazing stuff that I think works a lot in conjunction with SFU Surrey and SFU in general, and then also spawns uh, giving them the student access, the community access, the hospital gives them a lot of patients etc that they can uh, get the data and research from. Uh, and it spawns a lot of growth around. And with that comes some of the best talent uh, uh, to offer, you know, the best doctors, the best researchers, uh, and and local patients get the benefit of that as well. So it's got a huge uh, exponential benefit uh, that spills over beyond just that seed money that goes into uh, research facilities.
1: Absolutely, and and I talk a lot, Randeep, about the Surrey campus vibe. There is something really about the campus that, uh, really connects us as a community and, and it's really an interdisciplinary space so when I think about you know being Palo Alto to the north and, and kind of developing our own uh, capacity around innovation uh, around medical technology and other things as well I mean there's a lot more coming as well but, yeah. um, I, I, I like to think of you know we have mechatronics, we have sustainable energy engineering uh, uh, we have the interactive arts and technology program that which is huge in Surrey uh, but we also have all the other faculties, and, and one of the other faculties that we have is the Beattie School of Business, Yes. and they have this program called Venture Connection, which, which really supports the things you just described, because people are developing all of these great ideas in the lab, but then they need to figure out how to commercialize them or, or take them to the next level, and that's where a strong connection between some of our research people and the people in Venture Connection, uh, just to help support Taking taking an idea to the next level and 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 turning it into to something that can be shared in the community through through a business development kind of approach. So that's the that's the the can do spirit and, and we're kind of the innovation campus. I mean, all yep. of SFU is about innovation, but arguably, kind of, it it really had its genesis and its roots here at the Surrey campus, as did our. Our community engagement strategy, with my predecessor, who's now my boss, Joanne Curry, mm-hmm. kind of leading, you know, that kind of partnership building piece in Surrey. It really was the nexus for the development of that uh, engaged university strategy.
0: And it's huge job growth. I remember. Uh, in 2016 or 2017, I saw a young woman who uh, uh, created an, uh, something that adds to your iPhone or your, your phone, a smartphone, uh, to detect cancer uh, in your hands. And so they researched it on the RCMP uh, uh, bicycle squad, uh, the bike patrol here in Surrey, uh, just because they're exposed to the sun a lot. And then two years later, I saw, uh, you know, she got to the next level uh, from an uh, accelerator to an incubator or whatever, I'm not the greatest in those terms but uh, she went from the next level and the third time I saw her and uh, she got some government funding all along the way. She had a floor in a downtown high-rise and she was doing a hundred million in sales and her products were going global and uh, uh, now it was even using artificial intelligence to analyze those uh, marks in your skin that you might get that potentially could be cancerous and all started from a little res- from her research here to adding the venture capital so the merging the sciences and that's been a real problem for Canadians that uh, uh, Canadian universities would invent stuff but then they didn't know how to take it to the next level and they would fall in the valley of death uh, uh, and the idea would just be lost in a book and a, and, and sit on a, and a master's thesis somewhere on a shelf, but now you're actually seeing that stuff get to reality and actually help people's lives so it's great. I'm going to go on to our next, uh, we can talk about this for hours, but um, yes. you talked about future development and and growth uh, of Surrey uh, uh, facilities. Uh, uh, can you let us know on what's happening? There was a lot of talk on a family medic- medicine uh, school at the the provincial government was announcing, and I don't know if progress is going along on that, or other growth strategies uh, uh, that, that uh, Surrey residents can expect uh, to be happening soon at SFU Surrey?
1: Oh my goodness, there, there's so much going on, Randy. Um, a lot of it's in the planning stage, but just for the listener's benefit, that um, the space between our existing campus and City Hall is called Centre Block, and uh sfu is very very heavily involved in kind of uh, activating will be heavily involved in activating that space working with the city of syria and, and other partners um the the rec facility there has already been decommissioned and will be torn down um the the bus loop for translink is, is likely to move actually behind our new uh, our new building and so that space is now between city hall and sfu is kind of will be a kind of a blank canvas for for development of uh, the expansion of uh, SFU and other things that will happen in the city uh, city center. And we're hoping that it's really integrated um, because yeah, as I said earlier, we at SFU Surrey have always been part of the community. We've never seen ourselves as kind of a siloed institution in any way at all. Right. We see ourselves as an anchor institution supporting growth, but we are in partnership with, with community, the city, Fraser Health and others. Of surrey schools um for sure so yeah the the, the thing that has been announced is, is the potential for a new medical school it's still in, in very very early days um president johnson and, and others Catherine DeVerne, our vpa academic are are working with fraser health and and the indigenous health authority to kind of imagine you know how we could kind of roll out that program they're looking at other new programs across country across canada to figure out you know, what do we need to actually move that forward in a good way. So, but there's a lot of momentum around that. And I think um, we're very optimistic that, that that will happen. We're also, you know, we're hearing a lot about agri-tech um, yep. and, and especially in our faculty of science and applied science, you know, a lot of, a lot of kind of uh, skill and knowledge within SFU about kind of using technology to advance all kinds of things. But in this case, it's 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 how to enhance uh, the agricultural kind of uh, sector in terms of um, more efficiency, uh, better production, variation in production, and so on. So that's a, that's a really interesting development that's come up uh, uh, recently. And that would be something for the whole Fraser Valley.
0: I think uh, it would be very here. useful for the Fraser Valley just because we have uh, very fertile soil but very expensive Absolutely. acreage. So, you know, getting the maximum... Uh, Output out of uh, a Absolutely. smaller piece of land is very important, and so and close to, to, to urban populations.
1: Population. Yeah, and I want to be clear that we're working with you know, there's a lot of other post-secondary secondary institutions like KPU, yep, that are very strong in this space, and we're working in partnership with them to to identify what would the added value of SFU in in the agri-tech world be to what's already happening. So how can we enhance what's already happening? So we're working in partnership to develop that. Uh, we're we're trying to bring, and this will be a lot with uh, with our potentially with the medical school. You know, we have a very robust health sciences faculty um, that we want to bring more to Surrey. Uh, faculty of Environment is coming here more with the sustainable en- energy, energy engineering yep. uh, sustainable energy engineering program, um, and, and all the programming that we have, we we want to grow as well. The other thing I would mention, Randy, that. It's of personal interest to me that we're working on, and this is by no means uh, a fait accompli, but we're really trying to imagine when we do expand, how can we expand in a good way with respect to some of the social issues that our communities are facing? Uh, and so there's a concept called social infrastructure, okay. which is really about how do you how do you imagine a new campus and building things with social innovation in mind? Um, and we're, we've we've commissioned a paper with McConnell Family Foundation to really help us kind of think more fluidly about that. And I can give you a specific example. Um, it, we're working very closely with uh, Swillsey, the Surrey Urban Indigenous Leadership Committee. Okay. SFU has an agreement with with SWILSI to to make sure that we're making sure SFU is open to what is now uh, has the highest proportion of urban Indigenous people in the province, Brothers, Surrey. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and and yet, Surrey has no indigenous gathering space. None. Yes. Uh, yep. It has none, uh, and it's it's something that we're really thinking about. Uh, and I, I can't make any commitments, you know, now. But we're thinking, okay, if we're going to expand our campus, how can we do it in a way that supports some of those community needs? Absolutely. And so, building a space for our indigenous students, our indigenous faculty, but the indigenous community that we work with so closely in Surrey. So that's a, that's just an example of that. That, that mandate that we 're trying to um, uh, figure out is is how can we how can we expand with the, some of those issues in
0: mind Have you guys looked at uh, uh, before I get to my next question, but the pandemic has kind of accelerated online learning. Uh, in, in ways we've never seen. The, you and I wouldn't be Zooming uh, before, even though the technology was there. It's very rare. People did it. Uh, now every platform has it. Uh, but what uh, one of the biggest challenges for Indigenous communities uh, across Canada was in remote uh, and rural communities, they didn't have access to the great post-secondary education uh, 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 services that we have here and we, we we've, uh, take for granted. And uh, uh, I think with these platforms and online learning, teachers, having been forced, or instructors having been forced to learn this real quickly, technology having to expand and and deal with it and adapt to it real quickly and teaching tools to adapt, that now potentially we'll be able to accelerate uh, uh, the reach of of, uh, uh, our online learning uh, to those that may not be able to get to the same classroom, but they'll be able to get the same uh, education, the same uh, access to technology uh, and you know with a simple laptop and some uh, uh, and, and broadband internet they'll be able to get state-of-the-art uh, you know uh, sustainable energy and environmental engineering campus facilities even though they might be living in remote and that might help a lot of their uh, youth uh, get more educated, uh, get uh, uh, great jobs, and also lower uh, suicide rates and other social problems that result from the lack of, of those opportunities. Uh, um, so going on that, I think um, what I really want to know is how has the pandemic affected SFU Surrey students, like, uh, a, a, and what has changed to adapt, and and will these changes stay, or are you looking at a uh, you know a broader opening uh, come September and the fall uh, uh, if you can you know enlighten us a little bit how it's been in the last uh, 15 months and then also uh, what your plans are going forward
1: sure i'd love to speak to that like other post-secondary institutions we were we were amazed at how quickly we could shut down the university and and switch and pivot to the online world um because we had to and i i want to uh i want to take the moment to thank our faculty and staff for for their capacity for doing that, I mean, it was not easy, especially for some faculty who, who maybe were not used to being in an online world. Making that pivot could not have been easy, but they did it and they've done it well. Uh, I also want to thank our students because the same kind of thing—the the pivot was challenging. It was relatively sudden, uh, and yet they were able to do it. And I think I think the experience has varied um, for, for students. I think some of the some students. Based on different learning styles, you know, have really done well in the online world. Others are doing well, but they're doing well. I, I also want to give a shout out to our student services support, uh, which has really rallied around, making sure they identify student needs and, and being there in a fulsome way online to support students who who might have challenged been a little more challenged with it. And I think you're right. I, I, you and I wouldn't have been on Zoom, and you know. Like you, I'm a people person, so right. I I actually really miss, I really miss being in person, and I'm looking forward to, you know, to getting back uh, in person. I think aspects of the online will stay with us, and to your point about accessibility for remote learners is definitely one area. Um, for us going forward for the fall, we're going back to eighty uh, percent. That's and and we've been mandated by the provincial government by post secondary. Uh, advanced Ed. That you know, we to do that, and, okay. and we're identified. so eighty
0: percent of of classes will be in person uh, on campus. And... Well, it,
1: it varies. It, it's interesting, Randy, because eighty percent is kind of really like a hundred percent. Okay. Because because if you think about it, at any given time, you know, a hundred percent of the student, faculty, and staff are not on campus at the same time. Right. Um, you know, we might have students on co-op terms, so they're mm-hmm. not on campus. Um, and, and there's other factors as well um, that kind of think about that. But, but but so 80% is kind of like 100%, but we will have a selection of courses online. OK. Um, the, the And certainly, we're working with the international students, making sure that they can come back safely as well. Sure. Um, and so the timing might be a little bit different for international students. Um, and we're really working hard to make sure that we can do this in a safe way. I think um, there has been a lot, of, a lot of anxiety in society, not just in post-secondary, but just anxiety about what is it gonna mean to come back into face-to-face environments. And, and I think people have had a lot of time to think about it. And, and I, I think my sense is once we actually do get back in person, I'm hoping it's like, oh, I remember what this is like. like yeah.
0: it, it, it's still a little scary, it's like uh, when you see yeah people without masks it's in your and and even though they're allowed in certain places like parks and outside you 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 get taken aback a bit uh, and uh, i'm still waiting for that day where you're going to walk around and not see people in masks or sit in a classroom and and not be wearing a mask or have a mask beside you or or go to a restaurant and always scramble for a mask before out of your car Um, it's going to take some adjustment on that note yes yeah
1: and i just wanted to add that i think when, when you say the needs of our students, when I think of the needs of our students, they vary. Not every student is the same. We, we have uh, people with, with um, especially around some concerns around who have to take public transit, for example, yep. uh, feeling anxious about getting on public transit to get to campus. And so we're, we're really cognizant of the fact that we need to think about how to take care of divergent needs. Okay. Um, and so we're really trying to think that through as we work towards the summer, towards inviting the students back. Of course, we're also inviting our staff back. Right. Um, I do want to note that some of our staff never left. Okay. You know, the people in facilities and uh, there are people who were identified earlier on as core research mandate. They, they never left. And we have somebody uh, at the Surrey campus, Wu Soo Kim, who's been doing some amazing research on... Uh, 3D pr- printing PPE products uh, oh, okay. so so just um, amazing work by the way so we, we've identified essential research projects um, and, and so those people really never left and we're going to make sure we acknowledge that when, when we do come back on campus and I think the other thing is you know even for remote learners we really need to think through there are some things uh, in an academic world where you need to be in person mm-hmm. like I'm thinking like things like um, chemistry labs and and things like that where you literally have to mix you know things together yeah and you you, and you need to do that kind of in a lab context so we're we're trying to think through those those pieces as well but um you know we we've got about i think we got about eight or nine different committees in the university trying to identify all kinds of aspects of what the return will look like
0: and how about um in terms of a lot of students that last year was their first year so they they went to in t- fall of 2020, the first year of university, probably didn't get a, a really fun orientation week or campus life experience. Is there any plans that kind of make it exciting for them even though they've technically done one year of, of university but they're coming back and everyone that graduated in, in, in 2021 are gonna be, you know, they're not missing much. They've had a kind of a bad grade 12 year, grad year perhaps, but they're, they're looking forward to an Exciting uh, university uh, uh, start, uh, but are you are you looking at uh, somehow uh, giving those that missed that experience a little bit of excitement for uh, that usually you anticipate when you start university?
1: Absolutely, Randy. You know, we, we talked in terms of the double cohort again. That uh, you're absolutely right, and we are going to. You know, we do a whole orientation process.
0: Does that include Steve Dooley in a dunk tank and uh, and their <laughs> member of parliament that they can shoot? Uh, shoot balls out and dunk them in the water or is that is that, a, is that, a, is that on the table
1: well randy we're all about community <laughs> engagement and with that idea i think i'll have to take it forward to our orientation committee so yes we'll, yeah, be... we'll make something like that happen for sure mm-hmm. it's um and i look it, it and it's not just students um, yeah, it's, it's
0: faculty, faculty as well yeah it's the community it's the as well yeah
1: staff. there are a number of staff people that i've only seen on zoom yes and i have not met in person yet and i can't wait I, as i said earlier i'm a people person I can't wait to kind of greet them as well. Right. So, we will be doing a big kind of a welcome back for staff as well and students over. Students more obviously early in, in like kind of late August uh, into early September, uh, but staff will be coming back kind of over the summer and we're going to make sure that they're welcomed in a, in a real fulsome, energetic, great to have you yeah. way.
0: Now I'm gonna uh, uh, probably my last question uh, unless we left something. Um, I've seen universities in my own life, and and you've probably seen it in your uh, either when when you went to university or when you taught, and since you've now become executive director, but I've gone through waves where where there's been clawbacks and cutbacks and 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 uh, budget constraints in, in universities. Where I, I give you a prime example, I, I went to. Uh, UBC in the 90s and you know the gym was falling apart the rec facilities weren't as great. the, the the arts wing was you know really really in bad shape it was old and I went back uh, a few years back and and seeing now that they've gotten a lot of money that you know the 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 sports facilities are state of the art the campus is is more vibrant it's it's more well kept and then not to mention the research and others you just see more positivity in it and then the same thing happened when when I went to law school that I kind of started in that really constrained period of time and by the time I left it was starting to open up um, have you seen and uh, wh- this I won't make it partisan I, I probably want to say more what how does it help when when universities are supported uh, with with uh, whether it's capital grants for new buildings or whether it's research grants or whether it's more seats like the province has given uh, uh, this last year how does it uh, affect the university? How does it affect students that are going into it?
1: Well, I, I think one of the things in, in response to that is, is I want to give a shout out to our community um, for their support uh, in terms of helping us make the case for, for more funding for the Surrey campus. So uh, there's lots of people I could thank, but a couple of people are uh, Anita Huberman from the Surrey Board of Trade and Elizabeth Modell from the downtown Surrey BIA. And we have at at, um, at the Surrey campus a Surrey Advisory Committee, which is made up of a number of community leaders um, and uh, people from Fraser Health, City of Surrey, and Surrey Schools, and and we get a lot of advice from that group. And part of that advice is, is how to how to make the case uh, for for the needs for for students and growth uh, of uh, the Surrey campus. and it's a relatively easy case to make actually in terms of the the needs for more post-secondary seats south of the fraser uh but so that i I just want to give a shout out to that group uh for doing that and 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 to the you know I I know you don't make this partisan but both the provincial and federal government um are are really uh understanding the needs of surrey um you know i talked earlier about the quantum computing center Mm-hmm. Uh, when the Premier came out and made, made the announcement about that, it, he really recognized that Surrey and city centre is kind of the next big metro hub. And if, it, if that is the case, which it is the case, what is the role of post-secondary in that space and how can we help help grow that?
0: And I think um, those things actually have a huge role to play. I mean, if you look at Bill Gates and Paul Allen, they, they, it was yeah. because they had a supercomputer near their their home and they were able to go utilize it for their programming that they made DOS and Windows and et cetera uh, and, yeah. and started this billion dollar company, Quantum uh, Computing, if it's close by, it'll give access to those uh, that are in that space, the access to the equipment and the research and uh, to to do, you know, the the, exponential calculations that a, a quantum computer can do simultaneously versus uh, previous technology. Uh, I've seen it and I attend all the uh, university grad ceremonies uh, pretty much and, and normally I very rarely heard any student in their convocation say, oh, I plan on going in environmental studies or sustainable energy. And now in the last three years, every time I go to a convocation ceremony of a, of a high school or grad ceremony, I'm hearing at least two to six students at every uh, grad class saying I'm going to get a sustainable energy degree, I'm going to get go into environmental engineering, I'm going to go into quantum, phys- uh, quantum computing, and these are because they've heard about it, it's in their neighborhood, they've seen it, it's been announced, it's perked their interest, and they also realize they don't have to travel across the country uh, or cross the city downtown to our commute to get that. They can get that right here uh, uh, in Surrey Centre, so uh, I think that that benefit is 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 uh, uh, huge, and for a, a, an environmental footprint, it's also huge. They don't have to travel far. They're they're going. Uh, they can bike or skateboard or or walk uh, walk to campus or take a sky train uh, or, or transit to to, to campus and, uh, and and get that state of the art uh, learning experience.
1: Absolutely, and you know we we've done a lot to try to bring like young kids on campus to learn about our programming. We do a lot of summer camps. Uh, won't be this year, but we'll be coming back even more strong next year to, to you know, to play with robotics, yep. to, uh, to learn a little bit about science, to do, we do a, a very, very well respected uh, math camp. So getting kids on campus to learn about the programming at a very young age. On the other end, you know, Randy, we have about 16,000 SFU grads. Uh, living and working in Surrey. Oh wow! And 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 it's you, and and we've not done a good enough job to kind of connect with them as a group. And we will be to see how how our alum can kind of help shape what we're doing in the Surrey community. And and I do want to give a shout out. You know, you mentioned uh, you know a, a gym at UBC or whatever. Uh, uh, we really rely on our donors um, to the university to help us build infrastructure and help. Help us build some of our programming. So, I definitely want to give a shout out to those who have, have provided um, financial support to to SFU, either through scholarships or or, or whatever. Uh, th- that's an important community. Yes. To, to advance any any post-secondary institution, and we have uh, we have an amazing group that that works with what we called our advancement and alumni relations. That kind of helps support the that donor kind of programming that we do at SFU. Huge part of of, of the space
0: Cool. well thanks, uh, Steve. I uh, really appreciate you coming on and uh, this has been great and hopefully those that listen to this podcast learn a little bit more about Surrey uh, Surrey's SFU and uh, how universities operate and uh, connect with uh, with communities at large. so really happy if I've left anything out and you want to say anything uh, in closing, uh, I'll let you say the final word, Steve.
1: Well, I guess I just want to say with everything that's been going on with um, indigenous communities across Canada, the things that we're learning about, uh, I just want to say that uh, SFU Surrey is really wanting and trying to be an authentic ally with our indigenous partners and we're working on developing an indigenous safe space on the Surrey campus uh, right now and uh, we're also working on developing some welcome figures for the campus as well. because we have not done enough, frankly, to indigenize the the Surrey campus, and that's sure. something that we're we're working very very closely with our Indigenous community partners to make that happen.
0: And with recent events, I think uh, everyone has been reawakened. If not, uh, uh, we we knew about these things uh, for for a while, but until you actually see them they're and real, they they hit you hard, and you realize the. Uh, Uh, intergenerational trauma and uh, and effects that it has uh, uh, on for for a long time and and I think as communities and and leaders in a community we have to uh, do our best to not only heal that and prevent it from happening in the future but create spaces where uh, people feel comfortable to share their their pain, their grievances, and uh, uh, and and hopefully this never ever happens ever again under uh, uh, any anyone's watch. So uh, uh, to ensure that, I think more information and and healing is needed, and and you guys are on the right track uh, in recognizing that and hopefully uh, doing something uh, going forward. So well, thanks. I could, we, very quickly, I'll just yep.
1: share an example. Somebody in our facilities team um, had had the idea of we need to put. 215 chairs in the mezzanine and they invited gifts uh, from people in the community to bring toys and shoes and clothes and every one of those chairs was, was filled wow. and we are donating those toys mm-hmm. to um, uh, Atira, a local yep. uh, women's support group and um, and we on National Indigenous Day on Monday we had this amazing drumming ceremony with Kwantla First Nation and our office of our Aboriginal people It was just very moving and um, yeah, but there's still a lot more work.
0: There's still a lot more work. Well, thank you, and uh, thank you to SFU. So this was good, and uh, uh, hopefully you share this out, and uh, uh, those that are listening uh, get a feel for what uh, SFU Surrey is all about. Thank you to all that's listening, and uh, stay tuned until the next uh, Randeep's in the House.